Welcome to Opportunity Matters. This is Ken Shropshire. It's uh, an exciting series where we've been looking at these ways that we can bring about greater access to those who don't traditionally have access. And I'm excited today in this episode to talk about the area that's uh, near and dear to me, sports. And I mean, sports is kind of this, this mystical space to think about this whole topic because it is the Jackie Robinson trope that most people think about is leading America into the state that it's in, that you know, almost a decade before schools were legally desegregated in the United States, baseball integrates. So people often think that sports is the space where this can happen most readily. And so we'll talk about that and we'll talk about the problems that still exist in sport and some of the solutions that some two of the uh, representatives of two of the great leagues in the United States uh, have uh, have asserted. So let me introduce the, the guest formally, as I've done uh, throughout this podcast series. Our, our first is Javier Gutierrez, a friend of mine from the Arizona uh, location, also a, a California guy. He's the first Latino president and CEO in the history of the National Hockey League, leading the Arizona Coyotes Hockey Club, and currently the only Latino leading a major league sports team. In this role, Javier oversees all business operations, strategic planning, significant organizational decision-making, and government relations for the club. Previously, and he could have been on some other episodes as well, he served as managing director at Clear Lake Capital Group, a leading private investment firm that oversees $25 billion of institutional capital. Javier graduated from Harvard College. Somebody has to go there. And Stanford Law School, and for two decades, built a sterling reputation in business investment and finance. Javier, thank you for, for joining me. And Dan, thanks so much for having me. Jonathan Bean, he is the Senior Vice President and Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, began that role with the NFL in 2020. He spearheads the league's overarching DEI strategy and implementation and works closely with senior leadership to drive actionable change throughout the league and all 32 clubs. Over the course of his career, Jonathan has led companies to foster more inclusive cultures and has established himself as a successful diversity strategist prior to joining the NFL, being served as the Senior Vice President of Global Diversity and Inclusion for 21st Century Fox. Jonathan, thanks for joining in. Thank you, Ken. Did you ever work for any boring companies? Is that you know you. <laughs> No comment. Okay. <laughs> well, let, 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 let's get underway. I mean, I, I, I said that, you know, I want to kind of lay the groundwork of what's going on uh, in sports and kind of how we, we've gotten to the place that, that we're in. Um, and, and Javier, let, why, don't we, why don't we start with you and, and in your unique role as, as the uh, first Latino in the space. And also, you didn't mention in the intro, um, is is he currently the the well certainly one of the, the first Latino owner in the National Hockey League? Uh, is, is the guy that bought the team that convinced you to leave a more traditional space to to come in? How's how's this journey been? What kinds of things uh, in terms of equity and opportunity did you want to accomplish as you came in? Um, uh, and, and, yeah, just just how's it been? Just just kind of kind of lay lay the groundwork of this this journey you've had for where are we now? Year three and a half, three. almost four. Okay, four, season four, if you can believe it. Okay, no, okay. Ken, I appreciate this. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, and and um, 
you know, I, I, I applaud everything that you're doing to continue to uh, be a leader in talking about the importance of opportunity and opening doors. Um, yeah, you know, you, you, you mentioned Alex Morello, the first Latino owner in the history of the National Hockey League and, and one of the few owner, majority owners of any professional sports team in, in the history of the professional, the, the major professional teams in, in America. Um, is a longtime friend, uh, business partner. We actually own the largest Latino-owned bank uh, together in in California. Um, and, and he approached me uh, shortly after buying the team, and, and he said, listen, the reason why you should do this, you need to do this, is because of the incredible power of sports to make a difference and, and to make an impact. And, and what he said was, I want us to be a beloved sports organization. I want to win, but I want us to be beloved. And, and really the way you do that is by making an impact and making a difference. Packed on the ice in terms of rebuilding a franchise from the ground up uh, via the draft. You know, we have uh, a historic number of draft picks in the NHL. Uh, on the business side, you know, we've been at the forefront of putting our games over the air for free. We've been at the forefront of really bringing that bridge to growth cohorts of young, female, diverse tech savvy and purpose driven and using content and actually fashion and merchandise. You know, we have one of the first fashion designers uh, working with us that created a jersey that our players actually wear during games. I, I definitely want to come back and, and you, you struck an issue that I think is very important, the, the power that you have with the franchise to provide opportunities in, in the community. But I want, but I want to get, get Jonathan in for a moment be, be, before we do that. The, the NFL has, has been... Uh, stellar in addressing, you know, one of the issues, the, the way we used to think about diversity in sports was like this idea of, of playing the game, who's not playing. And the, the issue was the closer you were to the ball, the less likely you were to be a person of color. So there were no black quarterbacks. Now that issue, that issue is, is addressed. What, what are the big issues with, with, the, with the National Football League now and, and, and the big successes too? Yeah, Ken, thanks for that. And 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 also Javier, uh, congratulations on on the success that you explained, and and we hope to see that in in all the industry, and and hopefully we will uh, sooner rather than later. For us, uh, as it pertains, you know, it always goes to the top, and we we certainly want to increase our diverse ownership uh, in the organization. Right now, we really have one primary uh, owner who happens to be diverse, and that's Shad Khan. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we also um, Kim Pagula certainly uh, is is a critical piece as well. But Shad Khan is the solo primary owner who happens to be diverse, and and he's been an owner for quite a while. Um, that has been something that has been one of the biggest priorities of the league. Obviously, when you look at at numbers and you look at um, how expensive it is to own a club, uh, that certainly does. Uh, uh, lower the numbers uh, a little bit, but I certainly think that there's a lot of people like Jose Feliciano, who who I have met and who think I think he's awesome, uh, that there are people out there. One thing that we have done is we've been very intentional on our efforts to really um, attract more diverse ownership. And, and I think what's important is we want the primary ownership, but we also want those limited partners as well. And we've had two clubs that have been for sale over the last couple of years. Uh, the first one being the Denver Broncos and the second one being the most recent one is the 
Washington Commanders. And in both cases, you see significant diverse ownership with Melody Hobson, Condoleezza Rice, and Sir Lewis Hamilton uh, with the Broncos. And I think the biggest diverse owner um, it, with Magic Johnson and others at the Washington C Commanders. And, and before that process even started for both of those clubs, we made a statement and, and um, where we said, as people are putting together, organizations are putting together their offers for a club, uh, we will see it very favorably for there to be diverse ownership as a part of that overall package and proposal. Um, just making it very clear that that is something that we are looking for and hoping for uh, going forward. And, and we've been able to see that. I mean, one thing too, that is of course important. And I think, can you mention that is ownership of course at the very top is, is very critical, but also these other roles, the head coach roles, the G general manager roles, the president roles. And we have seen some good progress in some of those areas, in particular for with president. Uh, in August of 2020, Jason Wright was the first uh, African-American president in the history of the National Football League. Today, we have five African-American presidents uh, at the league, and we feel very proud about that. Um, we also have uh, one of them being um, Sandra Douglas Morgan, who... Uh, who really, it's, 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 a, it's amazing as a Black woman, the first person in that role too. Um, so we are seeing some nice improvement there. We look at general manager. We have more diverse uh, general managers than we've had in the history of the league with nine, eight of which who happen to be African-American. And that doesn't include the two who currently are interims right now in JoJo and Champ uh, at the, at the um uh, at the Las Vegas Raiders and, and, and also the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, and, and I think, you know, obviously we're still working on that head coach issue and we're going to continue to do so, but we feel very confident that we'll see change there. Let, let me ask, and Javier, I, I do want to come back to the, the, the business impact question in the community, but, but, but Jonathan reminds me of uh, an, an important issue that, that, that you, you two can discuss in a way that, that kind of none of the other areas have had. Uh, as much opportunity to do, and, and that and that is uh, women's access in in leadership uh, in your respective leagues, where it, it, there aren't women playing the game in in your leagues, and how that balances with it, this this one always, um, it, it, you know, the puzzle when I talk about this in class is we've got men who have played the game that have difficulty getting in some of these positions sometimes. How do we balance that against the idea that that we need to have women in these positions too? And one person that we were talking to uh, in the entertainment industry said, "You know, my focus is on on black people and getting black black people in." And I guess part of the, qu the question is, I, I throw all these issues in at once. You know, how do how do we get the the focus right? This whole idea of diversity—is there a proper mix? Are we uh, sometimes somehow negatively impacting one group if we focus, you know, Women's Month as a or Latino History Month or Black History Month. How do how do we do the balance in this 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 whole space? That is one thing that I have realized, especially in the role that I've been in for almost three and a half years now at the National Football League, is you cannot make the kind of transformational change in a particular area without also making the change 
in another area which will support each other. And, and I'll be direct about that. If we're talking about us doing a better job of having more diversity in particular with uh, African-Americans and Latinos and, and Asians in, in areas of leadership, um, you're not gonna get that leadership without also driving more inclusivity and diversity and diverse representation with women. And it's interesting because there is, um, there, there, there are, there is someone who I do a lot of work with, and is, um, and and is a player. And it was interesting. There was a comment that was said to me. That was there was a clear change in the culture and the environment of the clubs that he worked with when women were on staff. Mm. And that was with, so with other aspects of diversity, like people of color, that got better and more inclusive with women on staff mm. and vice versa. So one thing drives the other. Interesting. Yeah. Um, there is no need to say, I'm going to lock in on one thing and then leave the others behind. It is the commitment to all of it holistically, which drives the improvement in those areas. Um, so I, so just to be direct, I don't think that we are going to get the progress that we need in particular with particular groups, whether they be black groups, Latino groups and others without also having that progress. And in particular with women, women will drive that increased pro progress for us. Javier. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a really good point, Jonathan, that one thing will actually exponentially impact something else. I'll, I'll, I'll add a kind of a slightly uh, different point to this, which is we ask ourselves constantly, what, what's, what is the goal? right? What is the end goal? So number one, one of the goals is we want to be a best in class business operation and business organization. And if you don't have diverse voices, especially if you don't have female voices, you're not going to make the best decisions. They're just, they're, you're, they're going to be impacted. You're going to not have the full perspective, the full viewpoint, um, you know, full insight, as an organization. So, so it starts with, if we want to be the best business, let's bring the best people. And that includes bringing the best amount of, and the highest amount of perspective to make the best decisions. Number two, as an organization and as a business, what do we want to do? We, we are a consumer business, very high profile consumer business. So what do those consumers look like? In, in particular, what is the growth a look like in the consumer market in America. It's young, female, diverse, tech savvy, and purpose driven. I constantly talk about those growth cohorts. So if we want to be a bridge to those growth cohorts, which by the way, is one of the key value propositions that we offer to our partners, right? Our media partners, our business partners, uh, from a business perspective, if we want to be a bridge to those growth cohorts, you really need those folks in the seat giving you that type of perspective of attracting that because a monolithic viewpoint will not get you the understanding or at least the openness 
of understanding how to capture those growth cohorts. And I don't ascribe to this theory that, you know, only an African-American can sit in that seat in order to help you attract other African-Americans or the African-American market. Right. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is having them in the seat, as Jonathan alluded to, creates a culture and an environment in which you're asking and you're open to saying, are we capturing all the distinct perspectives that we need as an organization? And are we capturing the distinct and unique approaches in order to capture those growth cohorts? So, so I want to say you, you guys are, have been the ideal, as, I, as I've been thinking about this series, that, uh, in terms of th- this broad issue that's, that's been on my mind. Uh, and it's been on my mind a lot because of the issues that have been raised recently with anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. I, my response to a lot of people has been the best professionals in this space are always trying to think about everybody and always are trying to figure out how do you include everyone? And how do you make sure there's not bias going against anyone? And the best professionals are always saying, too, there's not a universal approach for each group. I, I need to do whatever it is I need to do to address these issues, and I need to constantly stay stay on top of these issues. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dragging you guys in with my, my view, viewpoint, but I, it, it's, it's one that, that uh, I, I think people that are being critical of, of the work in this space need to have a better understanding of what what the true professionals do. So the, the, the one the one last area I want to cover, we've got uh, about uh, three minutes left, is this area of, of business opportunities that, that a league, that a, that a franchise can provide to people that don't normally have access to do business with, with, with a league or, or team. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you, why don't you take a, a minute, and then Javier, I'll ask you to kind of close out with with a, a last minute on on the kinds of things that are available, the kinds of things that Lee can you are doing, and Lee can do. Yeah, Ken, a- absolutely. This piece is really critical. Um, you look at the NHL, you look at the NFL, huge organizations, multi billion dollar organizations, um, very profitable organizations, very connected to the fan base organizations and more and more becoming global. Uh, with that said, uh, we need to, just as we need to have diversity and representation um, uh, in terms of our employees, we need to have diversity in terms of the organizations and businesses that we're working with and share the pie. Uh, we wouldn't be who we are today without all of these communities that we're talking about. And so for us, we're really, really focused and, and made it a huge priority around increasing the number of diverse vendors that we work with. And when we say that, it's not just in one particular space. Uh, events is critical, marketing's critical, um, biz, uh, banking's critical, finance. Um, we've actually had a lot of success in that area, uh, nas- working with the National Black Bank Foundation uh, with a- Ashley uh, and, and Ashley Bell and others. Um, but we believe that, and, and this is not only at the league office, but also at the clubs, is you have to, in order for us to get better, have better solutions, uh, have the best partners working with us, we have to have a diverse lens and be very focused on bringing in a variety of different people from different backgrounds and organizations that can service in a variety of different ways. So that's critical for us. We've been working on that uh, very hard for two plus years. Uh, specifically, and and there's still a lot more work to to get done, but we're doing some good work there. Javier, in the, in the last minute, 
what's what's the what kinds of things have you guys been doing yeah no i'll echo everything that yeah. jonathan said i don't want to repeat it because it's it's absolutely true right like these are drivers of economic activity especially in local communities and it it goes beyond just game day it, it, it's you know content and and merchandising and and our licensing and so it's it goes beyond that equality health is a local health organization here that really targets the lower income primarily latino african-american community uh in, in greater phoenix area they came to us to actually sign up and sponsor the largest street hockey program in the nhl in arizona by the way and why because they knew that that was their target and they were trying to make healthcare accessible and, and really break down walls and barriers around the issues of healthcare. Why not do it with an organization that can help them do that in a very unique way? Because that organization is focused on that. Just like we're trying to make hockey accessible through street hockey. That's why we're trying to target these growth and diverse uh, segments they wanted to align with that. So it's it's not just seeing it as bringing them into the supply chain and procurement. It's also being that resource for those enterprises to then also make that difference in the community. And so for me, that's, that's the power that we have to combine our platforms, our voices, our impact with the business opportunities that make sense for the league, for the team, for our partners, for the community. Um, as much as these are the right things that we are doing, Ken, they're the right business decisions. And that's what bothers me whenever there's critique. I go, great, give me a critique as to why this is not a good business decision. As, as, a, as a business guy, as a private equity guy, tell me why this is not a good business decision, because I can tell you why it is. Uh, Javier, that, that's, that's a great uh, point to, to end on, the idea of, this whole space, the idea of looking for opportunities and the idea that it can be positively business impactful if you do it the right way. So thank you both. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Javier, for joining thank us you, on Opportunity Matters. I'm Farida Griffith, Managing Director for the Wharton Coalition for Equity and Opportunity. In partnership with Wharton Works, led by Professor Damon Phillips, Business Roundtable, and Second Chance Business Coalition, we're bringing together business leaders, academics, state leaders, and justice-impacted communities for discussions on creating pathways to sustainable employment for individuals who are formerly incarcerated. To learn more and register, go to CEO.com dot wharton dot upenn dot edu